Well, good morning. A man comes in to our office and he's wrestling. You know, one more time, this disrespect thing came up in the house. And one more time, he went to the well of anger and explosion to get the attention back the way he feels it should be. A woman wrestling, wrestling with critical spirit, attacking words, using whatever she can use to try to get the upper hand. Why does she keep coming back to it? Young man who's wrestling with stresses and challenges, who's wrestling with the pressures of life and job and friends and future. And and so he finds outlets late at night on the computer in areas he should never be. And he keeps going back over and over, even though he doesn't want to be there. High schoolers wrestling with the struggles of what it means to have friends and what it means to fit in and find themselves mocking again the friends that they really care for, getting involved in areas of life they'd never want to be in, but keep going back. You know, each and every day of our lives, we struggle. We struggle with different things for each of us that's our little tripping point. And we can't seem to break it. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, he said, you know, the good that I want to do, I don't find myself doing that. And the stuff that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this death? And then he gives the answer. Verse 25, thanks be to God. As we look at this wrestling and this struggling in life, As we look at a chance to grow, we always have to find it in this. It's not in just try harder. It's in thanks be to God. I am excited about this series, Grow Right. Because what I want to do is unveil the it doesn't work this way. Like let's get our arms around what doesn't work. And then let's get our arms around what does work. And then let's, as a body, go after something we've never gone after before. Let's have breakthrough in our lives like never before. Grow right. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I've been praying for for us. Let's throw up the first slide here. We started last week with purpose. Aligning with his purpose. That's to glorify him. Purpose. That's the first P. If we're going to go after life change, growing right, we have to start with the dead center target. We're trying to hit glorify him. Purpose. Now as we go out from there, we're going to build on it. Today we're going to be talking about the presence of God. And I just want to tell you, presence, passion, and power. Those next three P's that we're going to talk about over the next three weeks, that's like the battery pack on this whole thing, okay? If you look, what most people tend to do is they'll say, I got to catch a vision of where I need to head. Maybe they grab a little bit of this purpose thing and then they jump right to the outside to the practice piece. And they're like, so now I'm going to start making myself do it. And then they try to go hard after put off and put on and make myself and manipulate myself and just try to muscle it as much as I can. And quite frankly, get very frustrated and say, I've plateaued. I can't break it. But we skipped the whole middle. 
that middle presence, passion, and power. It's everything. It's the battery pack to life change. Okay. The presence of God becoming completely sensitive and aware to his presence in your life right here with you. And then the passions of God, hating what he hates and loving what he loves. As we spend time with him, we're going to start to grab onto what he is and what he has. And then finally, the power of God being unleashed in your life, which is where the real change is at. If we don't stack the deck, if we don't put a battery in it, have you ever played with a little toy and there's no battery? It's not real fun. You know what I'm saying? It just kind of sits there. You throw it, you push it. It doesn't really go anywhere. And that's what it can often be like. It's time for us to plug the battery in and get some real change going in our life. It's time for us to grow right. So we're going to be walking through these P's. I'm really excited about it. The purpose, the presence, the passion, the power, practicing, and then lastly, the people. It's wrapping ourselves around with friends. Uh, Pastor Kent was just talking about small groups, the value of us rallying together to help hold each other accountable to all the rest. That's what it looks like. If we can get our arms around this, we can begin to grow right. So that being said, it's time to dive into presence, the presence of God. What in the world does that mean? Let's take a look today at Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46. We're going to answer the question, how do I practice his presence? How do I live within the presence of God, completely aware of him? Psalm chapter 46. We've got the ushers coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. And so if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, okay? They'll get a Bible to you. We're going to walk through Psalm 46, verse by verse. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. How in the world can I live out the presence of God? First point, do not fear. Rely daily on him as your help. Do not fear. Rely daily on him as your help. This comes right out of the first few verses here. So let's just start in verse 1. Remember, this is Psalms, so it's poetry, okay? So we've got some repeating lines and we've got some uh, moments of, of breath and we'll explain some of that as we go along. He says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Refuge. That's like shelter. Protection from the danger. That's who God is. He is your shelter in the midst of a storm. God. He is your strength. He's the power that helps you to bear up under the weight of trial or consequence. He's your refuge and strength. We need to be leaning upon him as that place to go to, that place to be where we can gain safety, where we can gain victory. He's our refuge and strength. It says a very present help in trouble, a very present help in trouble, not a present help, a very present help. You know what I'm saying? Like as the, as the psalmist is going along here, he's trying to make the point. It's God is with us, not God is kind of with us. God is like really with us. You know what I'm saying? A very present help in trouble. Actually in the Hebrew, this word literally means wherever you turn, you're going to run into him. It's kind of that thing. It's one of those, like you're saying, Hey, I was running. Hey, good to have you here. You know what I mean? Like right there with you. Very present help in trouble. It doesn't mean he's doing it for you. It means he's right there 
So as soon as you turn to him, he's right with you. It's immediacy to the help. But it does involve us turning to him. A very present help in trouble. It says right after it, therefore, and when we see a therefore, we say, what's the therefore, therefore? So for those of you who haven't been here in a while, you're like, really? We say that? Yeah. Why do we do that? Because you know what? Every word matters in scripture. And there are words that connect phrases and statements and positions. Therefore says, because of what you just heard, now here's some action. Okay. So because God is our refuge and strength, because he is a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. We will not fear. It says, though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the, uh, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble in its swelling, though we will not fear, though. In other words, uh, there still will be problems. What we should not read this as is, hey, God is our refuge and strength. So no more troubles. Welcome to Christianity. If you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, no more problems for you, right? That would sell well, but that's not God's plan. And the sad part is if you turn on the TV, that's what you hear a lot. They're not selling reality. They're not selling God's plan. They're selling something that sells, makes some dollars, but they're not walking through God's plan for you and for me. His plan is not to help us avoid the trouble. His plan is to help us walk through the trouble. That's a big difference, isn't it? Let that settle for a moment. Not to avoid, but to walk through. The walking through causes us to grow. The walking through helps sharpen us. It brings us into an opportunity where we can begin to let go of some of the muck in our life and start looking more like him. He's not helping us avoid He's helping us walk through. Hence the word, though. It's not, therefore we will not fear because the earth will never give way because nothing will ever happen that's bad. It's not saying that. It's saying because even if that, we have a refuge and strength in our God. It's saying it doesn't matter what happens in all of nature. Notice all the nature that's listed there. It's like earth and and mountains and and waters and and I don't care what's going to happen. Just trust him. Okay, what does fear mean? Fear. It means you're putting your eyes on the problem, not on the problem solver. That's fear. Fear is I'm fretting and wringing my hands and I'm considering all the things that could go wrong. And can you imagine if and what about and and my eyes are squarely down on the problem, not up to the problem solver. It's saying Don't look down. Look up. Look right here. Come walk with me. We've got this thing. Trust me. That's what it means to not fear. Have your eyes fixed on him. Regardless of what's going on in all of nature and how much it can wreak havoc. Regardless of the fact that the earth could give way. How? What? (laughs) How does the earth give way, right? Like, is this earthquakes? Is this, what does this mean? Whatever it means, it doesn't sound very good, right? Something is falling apart and we're staying strong in the midst of it. 
Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Have you ever seen a mountain be moved? Has anybody ever seen that? I've, I've seen a landslide. Maybe that's the closest we could come, right? Where you see nothing but the entire side of a cliff shifting, right? It's saying the entire movement of mountain from A to B, you're still good. You're still hanging on. Though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Waters, mountains, earth, all the nature falling apart around you. You're holding it together. Because of the God you're hanging on to. Your eyes are fixed squarely on him. Your eyes aren't fixed anywhere else. You know, he goes on. He says, uh, right after it. He begins the next piece. Now, I just want to say, notice how that little passage ends there. Those three verses. See the word sila? Do you see that? That's like this Hebrew word that means take a breath. Nobody really knows exactly what it means. It basically seems to be some musical import that means relax for a moment. Now we're moving. Okay? It's, it's that kind of a thought. It's just this idea of we're going to connect a few things together, but that one was really worth contemplating for a moment. Selah. Okay? There was a musical group named that. Did you know that? Yeah, they have no idea what it means either. Okay. All right. Verse 4. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Remember, we just ended talking about waters that roar and foam and make mountains tremble, right? We have this concept of waters that are absolutely out of control that should scare the snot out of us. And yet here's a water that causes us to relax. There is a river whose stream make glad the city of God. This river kind of running through it, providing life and health and happiness. Gladness coming from the provision of God. God knows how to bring into our life the very thing we need to provide for us so that we can be in that position of glad before him. Glad. The city of God. It says the holy habitation of the most high. The holy habitation of the most high. We can be called the holy habitation of the most high ourselves. This was written at a time where it was the city of Jerusalem and the temple of God. And in that moment, you could actually have God residing within the temple. And if there was a place you wanted to go where you could most sense the presence of God, it was go to the temple, go to the city where the temple is. That's where he's habitating or living. The answer for you and me today is God taking up residence within us. If we trust in him with all we've got, if we say, Lord, please forgive me and use your shed blood to replace what I owe. We have that moment of opportunity where the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us and we have become the holy habitation of the almighty God. Wow. Like we have a moment where we could be called the place where God's residing. And notice what it says about that place. It says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. God is in the midst of her and she won't be moved. That's a description of you and me. We have that chance. We have that opportunity to have the very presence of the almighty God within us. And because of his refuge and his strength within the whole of who we are, we have a chance to be able to experience what it means to be immovable. But we have to let him work. It's his work 
that creates that within us. Immovable. Protected. Glad. Notice it says in verse 6. Now we're talking about some people. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. Okay, this word rage and totter, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter, that's actually the same word that was used if you look back when it says the waters roar and the mountains tremble. Roar and tremble actually is the same as rage and totter. Same Hebrew word. He's basically saying, I don't care if it's nature falling apart or if it's people falling apart. I'm telling you this. God within and around and about you as your refuge and strength, you will not be moved. That's the promise. He's saying, I want you to grab on to the unbelievable hope that we have a God over the entire universe and nothing bigger than him. You tapped into him means you unmovable. That's what it's about. We have a privilege to be able to claim that hope. He says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts, you know, hosts like 10,000 upon 10,000 of angels, like the God who is in charge of millions and millions of angels, the God who is in charge of everything we know, the God who speaks into existence all that we see and sustains it by his mere presence, that God, the Lord of hosts, with us. That's where we stand. He's with us. And one more step. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of our forefathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God who is moving amongst all of Israel. He's moving with you. Personally. Right now. The God of the universe. At work with you. Think about that privilege. With us. With us. And fortress. With us and fortress. Uh, When he says, do not fear, he's saying, because he's with us and he is our fortress. Just say those two words with me. With us. With us. Say it again. He is with us. That's what it's about. It's about claiming the with us. He is present right here. Let me ask you this. Yeah, amen. You know what? Let me ask you this. We say with us. Isn't God everywhere? I mean, he's omnipresent, right? And if God is everywhere, couldn't everyone, whether you trust in him or not, just say, well, he's with us. What are we saying when we're saying he's with us here? We're saying it's more than just he's present everywhere. We're saying he's actively working with you and you are actively responding to him. You are experiencing the very present help in trouble. You are leaning upon him. You have relationship with him. You have more than just God hanging around. You have God moving with you and shaping with you and communicating with you. He is with us and he is our fortress with us fortress just say it with me with us fortress do not fear right like that's how we start practicing the presence of god that's how it starts to move within us that we grasp the vastness of our god and we grasp the smallness of us 
that we understand where he's headed. And we're amazed with his plan. With us and fortress. Whatever you're going through. Whenever you're going through it. With us and fortress. Do not be afraid. Don't put your eyes on the stuff. Don't put your eyes on the things. Don't put your eyes on the risk. Don't put your eyes on the future possibilities of problems that could put your eyes on him with us fortress. That's the presence of God in our life. And that's the first step. Second step. He says, behold, the works that God is doing. Behold, the works that God is doing. We'll start here in verse 8. Two commands. He says, come, behold. Those are two words, two commands, okay? Come, like you need to get close to where God is working. Check it out. God is moving in this universe. And all too often, quite frankly, you know what we do? We tend to look for the spot that God is most not working. And we go there and try to get working there think about it how many times are we looking for the stalest darkest coldest god not their thing and saying i wish that god could move here and there's nothing wrong with that prayer and that thought but we really have to be careful this call says run to where god is working come and behold it's important for us to practice the presence of God by recognizing where his hand is at work and where he's moving and be right there with him. Do you see the difference? Like, it's not wrong for us to get visions of where God might be moving and things he might want to be doing. But this call, the presence of God, it's about God, where are you working? And I need to be right there seeing it, being amazed by it, watching your hand move, watching hearts be changed. I will come. To where you're working and behold what you're doing. It says, come behold the works of God. Remember we talked last work, well, last week about the word behold. What's it mean? It means check this out, right? It means come running to where God is working and simply go, what's he doing? Where's he working? Let me hear some stories. What's going on? What's going on in your life? What's happening? Come behold the works of God. Be amazed with his handiwork. Here's some thoughts. Psalmist puts in for us. He has brought desolation on the earth. Wow. In other words, there is some judgment going on. God's hand moving against those that are against him. And he's saying, do watch for that. It will give you a grasp of his justice and his holiness. He has brought desolation on the earth. More than that, he makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He is the God of peace. He will put things in order. There is spots and times where we can see God just saying, and it's now about peace. Him bringing peace, and how far? To the ends of the earth. And then it says, more than that, he doesn't just bring peace like everybody stopped fighting, but he basically took everything they would fight with, and he busted them up, right? So it says, he breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. 
He's ending war for all eternity. He's getting rid of all that can be fought with and used. God is the source of peace. He will reign. He will rule. He is going to bring some judgment and he is going to bring some peace. And we've already been able to taste little bits of it here and there. That's what he's saying. He's saying, watch and check. Come and behold. I wrote down a few things we could behold. Behold. Behold the baby born of a virgin. Behold. Behold the daughter of Jairus raised from the dead. Behold the tomb of Lazarus. Behold the garden of Gethsemane. Come running to that quiet place where Christ is interacting with the Almighty. Behold the crown of thorns. Behold the empty tomb. Behold your life in his hands. What's he doing in your life? Think about it for just a second. What are some things you could say, here's some things God is doing in my life right now? Think about it. What are some works that he's doing with you? Some things he's challenging you to look at. You might be like, man, I'm so sick of this sin in my life. I want it gone. Maybe God's moving in that area of your life. What's he calling you to be looking at? What's he giving you some power to be getting over? Behold the works of God. You know, I, uh, I used to work as an engineer. I was working in a telecommunications firm and, uh, I got sent to, uh, Paris, France for a job. So, uh, Somebody had to do it. It was a rough job, right? So I'm in Paris and I'm working there and, uh, we had a few days at the back end where I had a chance to just trip around by myself. It's kind of a bummer going around Paris by yourself. You know what I mean? It's like supposed to be the city of love and all the romance and all this and I'm getting yelled at by people who speak French and I don't and I'm in the wrong spot at the wrong place and, you know, I'm ordering food at the breakfast and they don't want to talk to people. I literally had somebody say to me, I don't like to speak English and she was my waitress. Like there were moments that were a little awkward, but you know, I ended up going to the Louvre and, uh, I'm going to look at unbelievable artwork. And I mean, I got, I'm stopped and I'm looking at the Surratt painting. You know what I mean? The one with all the dots. And if you get up close, all you see are dots. But as you back up, you see this great painting of, of, uh, people that are picnicking along by a, a lake. And, and, and it's an unbelievable moment of how this man used color in unique fashion, just putting dots And he was exploring and expressing his views on color and light and shade. And Monet and Manet and whatever other impressionistic guys you can think of. And looking at some wild paintings there and and, and looking at Rembrandt and some of the stuff there. And and, and, I mean, I'm in there looking at Surratt and Monet and Rembrandt. And well, actually, I wasn't looking at them, right? I was looking at their works. And, And yet it showed me something of them. That's basically what the challenge here is, is treat all of the world like a giant art museum. And you are constantly walking around simply being amazed by the works and the handiworks of what God is doing. That you constantly stop and just go, wow, I wonder what that says about his character. You have to stand like this, by the way, when you're in an art museum. Did you know that? It, it, it looks like you know what you're doing. 
You know, it's one of those where you walk in and you look at everybody else and you see them doing it, so now you start doing it. And so you're standing back going, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm contemplating now. And we're looking and we're thinking, what's God doing? That's what it's all about. Behold the works of God in your life. What is God doing around you, in you, through you? How might he be making an impact in the person next to you? Did you know that that's how God works? Like, why in the world doesn't he do this plan where he takes believers and he says, now that you're saved, no more pain? Well, two reasons. Number one, because unfortunately we grow most under pressure. So that's a piece of it. But number two is he's also using you to teach those around you. Did you know that? He's standing you up. And he's saying, I'm going to walk you, the one who trusts in me, through the exact same thing that this one is going through. And where this one is completely devoid of me and going through cancer all by themselves, you are walking through it knowing me. And the difference between the two, and as you can celebrate me in the midst, and as you walk through pain, and as you shed very real tears, and very real hurt, and very real concern, and yet you say, but I trust in my God. And there's a gladness that comes underneath, as in the midst of your realness, that person standing next to you says, I don't have that. Like, what is that you've got? And that is a great moment for you. To be able to turn and share the awesomeness of your God. We have a privilege of being a part of the message going out. We have a privilege of being transformed along the way. It doesn't mean that what we're called to is going to be fun necessarily. But it does mean that it's going to be unbelievably glorifying to him. And unbelievably growing to you. Behold the works of God in your life. Allow him to express his character Allow the brush strokes of the Almighty and the design of the Almighty to be expressed through you and around you. And may you be a great student of them. Behold, all of a sudden God feels like he is right there with you. Practicing the presence of God. First, don't fix your eyes on the junk. Fix your eyes on him and don't be afraid. Second, behold the works that God is doing. And third, be still and know him as God. Be still and know him as God. We're into verses 10 and 11 here. It starts out with, uh, again, two imperatives. Remember, the last section started out with two imperatives. Come, behold. This is now be still and know. Okay? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is absolutely essential to the presence of God. Get ready. This is really important. Okay. Have I set it up enough? Be prepared. Here we go. Be still and know that I'm God. What does be still mean? Well, first of all, like I said, it's in the command form. It means basically this spiritual calmness, this trust in God inside, this serenity in the midst of a storm. Be still. If you're not still, words like anxious, fast-paced, worrisome, controlling, those are the kind of words that might pop up, okay? Be still. Well, let's do it this way. Four ways to not be still. Four ways to not be still. Like, how could I mess this up? Number one, complaining. Did you know that messes it up? 
Like if you're walking along through life and everything you come up with is why did they, how come they, he should have, why didn't they think of, what is God doing with, can you believe that? And it's constantly whining about the situation. Complaining is not remaining under. Complaining is not being still. Complaining is, complaining is what we're pretty good at, isn't it? I mean, is it just me? It's just me. No. Okay, good. Complaining. Like, don't we kind of get to be a little bit of whiners? Seriously. Why in the world? We're pretty good. That that one comes off of us. We should just get a t-shirt that gets made that says it, right? Because it's who we are. It's what we live out. Complaining. The next one, criticizing. If I'm not just whining about it, I might be attacking them. Criticizing. You shouldn't. Do you know what you're, right? We're not trying to help them. We're just trying to get the pressure off of us. That's what criticizing is. Third, busyness. I've got tons to do and I'm going to do it all. It's all about me. I'm going to get it done. Right? Busyness. Okay, those are three ways, but I said there's four. Here's a fourth way, and I really wanted to make sure we get this out today. There's this other answer going on right now of what be still means. Okay? Some will say that it means kind of these other elements that you can do wrong, the complaining, controlling. But the other side of it is some will say it means this idea of emptying. Empty the mind. Just completely empty it. And it's going on big time around here. Some call it contemplative prayer. Some call it centering prayer. Be aware. Okay? It's not biblical. And I would just, I just going to say it really blunt. Be cautious. This is going around big right now in the area. And it's this idea. If I grab a word... And you can even make it a very godly word. It'll be the word holy. And then I just repeat the word over and 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 over again until finally my mind is numbed away from thinking about anything. That's being still. Wrong answer. Okay? That's Eastern meditation. It really is this idea of mind numbing. And quite frankly, it opens you up to a lot of influence from a lot of areas spiritually. Be very aware. This be still does not mean please turn your brain off. It actually means something very different. Look what comes right after it. Be still and know. Brain on. Okay? It's very different. And we really have to speak to it authoritatively here. Okay, guys? Very serious on this. Prayer is not mind-numbing repetition of single word. Prayer is real communication with God. Prayer is sitting down and talking to him. Imagine I'm on a date and I sit down with my wife and I say, we sit down together and I'm like, this is going to be wonderful. It's just been kind of a, you know, we really haven't had the best of relationship going on. It's been really busy and stuff. So I'm going to be still. And then I sit down with her and I go, candle, 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 candle. And at some point, don't you expect her to go, bam, you know, I'm here. Talk with me, right? This idea of be still doesn't mean stop and go mind numb. It means listen. Stop doing. Listen. The word literally in the Hebrew means this. That's what it means. For those who missed it, it means this. Put your arms down. That's literally what it means. Relax. Be still and know that I am God. It means open up an avenue of communication with the Lord. Hear from him. Be still and know that I'm God. Don't shut the mind off. You're going to have to know in just a second, right? 
Be still and know that I'm God. Okay, so four ways or four steps to being still. Four steps to being still. First, relax. You are going to have to take a deep breath and relax. All too often we find ourselves just too doggone busy. And we're running around like crazy. Be still does mean take a deep breath. It does. It might be at night when you're looking up at the stars and you're just relaxing and you're sitting on your back patio and and you're just taking a deep breath and drinking it in. It might be during the daytime somewhere, but you're taking a moment where the busyness and hectic is going away and you're just going to take a deep breath and relax and say, I'm not running control on this one. I'm letting it go. Relax. Number two, reflect. This is be calm and thankful. Like, what is God doing in your life? Where do you see his hand at work? What do you see God moving in? Reflect. Be calm and thankful. It's a big part of being still. Notice how the mind is not off here. Do you see how it's off on, but it's very aggressively on into a positive form? God, what are you doing? Where are you at? What's your handiwork? Third, review. Review God's word. Get into his word. Spend time in his word. Let his word speak to you. Like what topic, what passage, what area. Being still is like drinking it in. You're hearing from him. Don't look for the thumb. You know, you're not looking to get whacked on the head because you've been out there repeating your own stuff over and over. I'm listening. I'm hearing you. Even repeating back what you've heard. Those are often good practices. So you read through it. What do you do? Maybe you write it down in a journal. You say, hey, here's some things I learned today. Here's a principle I've learned. That's a big word, just so you know. When you're reading God's word, look for principles. What is there about God that is still true today? Because he says, I am the Lord your God. I change not. What are you finding about God that is timeless? Write it down. That's what you're going to be leaning on. That's what you're going to be reviewing. That's what you're going to be going over. And then you bring it back to him. Prayer. The final piece in being still. Just bring it to him. You know, we talk about this in our uh, peak performance class, but prayer. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Like ACTS. A-C-T-S. Have you heard that acronym before? It's a pretty simple acronym, right? Adoration. Like, you're amazing, God. Confession. Uh, I'm not. I've made some mistakes. Thanksgiving, thank you for all you're doing in my life. I'm amazed with what you're doing. It's supplication. Lord, could you help me in this area? And you put them in that order. It starts with his greatness and it ends with our need. It's about putting him first. Prayer. That's a big piece to the being still. Calmly laying it before him, trusting him to do it all. Remember, we started this whole presence piece with no fear. We're not just focusing on the problem, right? And now we're looking at his works and then we're sitting down and taking the deep breath and we're practicing the presence of God as we be still and know him. Notice it says right after it and know that I am God. Trust me, you have a quiet moment before him where you truly let go of your control and you truly ask him what he's got for you. You spend some time in the word and you're reviewing how awesome he is. You'll be amazed with how you start learning of him very quickly. Know that I am God. It says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In other words, exalt me in your heart. Because I'm telling you, it's coming nationally pretty soon to a theater near you. Get ready. I will be exalted. 
Exalt me right where you sit. And then he closes with the same phrase we had before. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts is with us. And the God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, here's my request. Jana, I'm going to use you as an example. We haven't even talked about this. So why don't you stand up and come over here for a sec. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. This is my wife, Jana, for those who don't know. She's five foot one. So for those of you in the back, you might have to stand up. Yeah. All right. I'm not that much taller, so they got to stand for me too. All right. So here's the request. We're going to talk here. You're going to share with me your name, your address, your favorite color, and your favorite restaurant. And I am going to be a follower that's lame. Your job. Share with me that. Okay. Go. My name is... Yeah, huh? Right. Anyway, that's a nice purse. I really like that. Yeah, it's good, Susan. Uh Uh-huh. Cool. I'm sorry. What did you say? Favorite restaurant is Luigi's. What's your name? Jana. I'm so, okay, Jana. Good to meet you. Yep. And I was wondering, hey, how's it going? All right. Do you see this daily regularly is kind of us with God. He begins speaking and we're like, great. All right. My five minute time is up. And then we move on. And all of a sudden we're walking around and we're doing everything else. And there's talk and it's the soft whisper of the Holy Spirit lost. What does be still look like? Go ahead. I live in Morton. My favorite color is purple. And my favorite restaurant is Luigi's. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) Thanks for sharing. You know, (laughs) it always pays to get a worship person. They're they're not afraid at all of being in front of people, right? (laughs) Be still. It's important that we grasp what it looks like. It's receiving in what God's got for us. It's being willing to hear. It's being willing to set down our stuff and just say, I'm here, God. What do you have for me? It's not mind numbing. I have absolutely no working brain cells anymore. I'm not hearing of my, it's God. I'm listening. Speak with me. What do you have to share? I'm ready to respond. Stop fighting. Put your arms down. That's what the word means. Be still and know that I am God. You'll be amazed what you learn of him as you spend time in his presence, as you spend time with him. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just go ahead and fold your, close your Bibles, put everything away. Let's just take a few minutes here to get it started. Just bow our heads, close our eyes, and it's a moment to practice being still. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you first to just list what's the biggest things you're going through that could be distracting you. What are you going through that could be distracting you? Now just say this, it's nothing. Because you're my refuge and strength, God. I'm coming before you with all I've got. It's a moment for us to just spend time with him. Reflecting on how huge he is in our lives. And how much we're handing over. Just take a couple of minutes here. 
to reflect on anything good he's been doing in your life and be thanking him for that.